0: This episode has a language warning because things get a little bit colourful at times. In this podcast, we're taking a dive into the lives of dangerous women of Queensland. And we're not talking about serial killers here. We're talking about strong, fascinating women who forged their way through life with boldness, daring and courage and challenged the status quo to inspire change in Queensland. Women I would like to be more like myself. Dangerous Women is a podcast by the State Library of Queensland, hosted by myself, Holly's Wolf, produced by Snuggletooth Productions and supported by the Queensland Library Foundation's crowd-giving fundraising campaign. Join us as we tell the stories of some of the greatest Queensland women you've never heard of. First on our list is Keelan Mailman. Keelan is one hell of a badass woman. She's a proud bidgerer woman from out in central western Queensland and she's tough as nails.
1: I'm fucking deadly.
0: (laughs) She's survived severe childhood poverty, sexual assault, domestic violence, raised eight kids and written a book.
1: I had to toughen up to survive in this world. If you're a black person and you're walking in my shoes and in my skin, seeing through my eyes and hearing with my ears, you, you get an understanding of why you have to toughen up. I'll never ever be a yes sir, no sir person. If I don't think something's right, I don't have a problem with saying it. I'll continue to, to be that strong black a woman.
0: In 2007, Keelan was a Queensland Australian of the Year finalist. In 2016, she was Bernardo's Mother of the Year and she's recently been awarded an Order of Australia. But her life's defining work has been managing one of the most remote stations in Queensland, Mount Tabor Station, which she's been doing for the last 23 years. Keelan's the first Indigenous woman to manage a cattle station and she first took on the job at the age of just 30 as a single mother to three kids. Later on, she also took on her sister's five kids too. It's a huge property, 78,000 hectares or so, and what Keelan has achieved is no small feat.
1: Heaven, I've had a lot of people say to me, this place is so beautiful. If you could describe heaven, this is it. And I sincerely believe that in my heart because I just love Mount Tabor, so everywhere on the property is so unique and it's it's got a special spot in my heart.
0: Mount Tabor is on Bidjara country where Keelan's ancestors are from and part of her job is to protect the incredible cultural sites hidden all over the landscape.
1: I've been there so long it's been such a huge part of my life, huge part of my learnings you know knowing that my ancestors have walked that country for thousands of years before I was even thought of, is such a huge honour within. Unless you've got that strong passion and connection to your country spiritually, I don't know if you can really get it. The day that I ever do go from Mount Tabor is gonna be fucking hard.
0: It's impossible to really understand Keelan without seeing Mount Tabor. So we're travelling by car, plane and hired four-wheel drive to meet her on the property out in Central Western Queensland. Or so we think.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We are suffering a minor technical issue. At this stage, you'll like you would like to remain on the aircraft in your seats. We do apologise for this delay and we'll get you to Charleville as soon as we can. Thank you. We have
0: just landed in Roma, um, home of the Pink Icing Bakery and um, we circled for quite some time before being able to land and now it looks like there might be an issue with continuing on to Charleville and we're waiting further information. The universe definitely seems against us at the moment with getting out to meet Keelan. We've had to reschedule already because of course um, Mount Table has been in a severe drought for over a year and then just as we were about to fly out it rained a lot and everything has flooded so we have. Yeah, it's getting a little bit tricky. Eventually, we're all bundled into a minibus to get us to Charleville, which meets another minibus to hand us over halfway. And somehow I end up being given the task of flight attendant. Uh,
1: Everyone, we are going
0: to arrive at our location soon. Uh, Thank you for flying with Holly Air. If you could all place your rubbish into this receptacle, I would be very grateful. For the first leg of the journey, I'm seated next to a local bloke who, of course, knows Keelan. He's a shy country fella who doesn't want to be interviewed, but he chats away off record about the history of the area. I press him to tell me about Keelan and her family, and he says something to the effect that he can see it would have been a hard town to grow up black in. Later, he pulls out his phone and cracks up laughing. His wife, who is back home on their property, and who he hasn't yet told about the aeroplane holdup, has just sent him a photo of him sitting next to me on the bus. It turns out half the people on the bus are Facebook friends with his wife. Gossip sure travels fast out here in Western Queensland. Also with me in the bus are my producer Erin McBean, who I first met in a skeezy share house in West End back in the early millennium, and Olivia Robinson from the Queensland Memory section at the State Library of Queensland.
2: So I've known Keelan or Kayleen for almost 20 years now. We're both bidderal women and... um I first learnt about her being asked to be um, station manager on Mount Tabor when it was um, originally acquired by the um, Indigenous Land Corporation for eventual return back to Bidgera people. For anyone who's confused by the
0: Kayleen-Keelan two-names thing, I'm just going to jump in here quickly and explain because it's quite a good story. Keelan thought her name was Kayleen until she turned 18 and had to show a birth certificate in order to get her L's. Turns out her name's actually Keelan. Bit of a confusion because the nurse she was named after had a thick Irish accent.
2: I was doing a big exhibition at the time and I thought, I really want to be able to tell the story of Bidjara people and um, their journey across their traditional lands onto Yumbas and then for the eventual return to country and ownership of a place like Mount Tabor.
0: A Yumba was a sort of town camp where Bidjara people lived in groups together.
2: When the opportunity came up to think about different women who are dangerous women, she popped into my mind because I thought if there's anyone who's a dangerous woman, it's definitely Kaylee Mailman.
0: I ask Olivia what Mount Tabor means to her as a Bidjara woman who now lives in South East
2: Queensland. As a Bidjara person, I really think Mount Tabor's in great hands with her. I relish the opportunity to take my children out to Mount Tabor for them to connect with their traditional country as, um, as Bidjara people, but then also to learn from her and for her to share her knowledge about her culture, about Bidjara culture, about language, about bush food with my kids. I think that's a great experience for them to be a part of and I really um, cherish uh, her generosity in that respect.
0: By the time we finally pull into Charleville late in the afternoon, I'm well aware that if we'd just driven, we'd have arrived quicker. On top of all of this, Olivia's bag hasn't arrived. But luckily, the guy behind us on the bus turns out to be a flying doctor pilot who knows the local dress shop owner. So he calls her and gets her to open up so Olivia can buy herself some new clothes.
2: Oh, perfect. That'd be great. Thank you.
0: Speaking of clothes, I've had a few concerns myself over what to wear on this trip. Don't laugh, it's important. I want Keelan to see me as a dangerous woman too. But when I was packing for the flight, I realised with a panic that I had absolutely nothing appropriate for hanging out on a cattle station. Mind you, when I remember the line in her book about her mother, old Beto, strutting back into town at the age of 21 after a few years travelling around the country, wearing a leopard-skin coat and heels and with a suitcase full of money, I'm less concerned. I've got plenty of leopard print in my wardrobe.
1: She was a very strong old mother, my old mother, and she got the opportunity to travel the the royal shows and to travel all around sort of Australia. And she first started off in her bikini, got the nickname Jetta out of the movie because she was quite stunning, my mother, with this beautiful long black hair and she used to dance with snakes and had them slithery, slimy things that I can't stand crawling all over (laughs) her. Keelan's
0: relationship with her mother was complicated as she was growing up. Her mother struggled with alcoholism, and then when Keelan was just 12, her mother suffered a stroke that left Keelan caring for both her and for her younger siblings. When a local cop threatened to remove Keelan from her family if she didn't attend school, Keelan hid inside at home for a whole year so that she could keep on looking after her mother.
1: You know, the biggest thing that my mother could have ever given me is life, is the greatest gift of all. Second greatest gift was my mother gave me the handing down of cultural language and survival. She was always very strong and very passionate that we knew our country, we knew our culture, we knew how to speak our language, and then... She taught us how to survive off, off land which was very important if we ever got lost or we broke down so that we knew how to find water, we knew how to find a feed and all of that sort of stuff until someone could find us and then later on be able to hand that down onto our children and and keep passing it down in, in generation.
0: I'm getting dressed to go meet Killin at the RSL for the first time. No leopard print tonight, though, sorry, Beto. I'm kind of nervous, to be honest. This woman shoots and skins roos for pocket money and makes her own bullets, for God's sake. So I'm hesitant to tell her that I'm a vegetarian. I actually live in the bush myself, so I'm no stranger to rural life. I split my own wood with an electric splitter, but hey, it still sounds impressive. And I know how to use a whipper snipper and a ride-on, and I even have my chainsaw licence but Mount Tabor Station is a whole other kettle of fish. Where I'm 20 minutes from the nearest traffic light, Keelan is six hours. We finally meet up with Keelan for dinner that night at the Charleville RSL. She's warm and bubbly with a dry sense of humour and a great big smile.
2: Okay, I'll go on this side. You can keep smoking
1: then. (laughs) Well, I was going to.
2: She's
0: wearing her trademark Akubra with the red, black and yellow threads of the Aboriginal flag wound round the rim. When we're halfway through our meals, the lights suddenly go out and she frantically motions us to stand. Erin and I are both bewildered. The last post suddenly blares out loudly from some hidden speakers behind a potted palm as the entire club stands silently, heads bowed. Apparently, this happens every single night out here in Charleville. As we're finishing off our fish and chips, Keelan tells us that the mailman, who delivers the post twice a week to the cattle stations out her way, has reported that the track home is still impassable because of the recent floods. But I use my very best and most manipulative sad face to put the pressure on, and eventually she agrees to give the track a try. She's secretly as keen as me to take us out to the station and show us some of the cultural sites. The next morning, we wake up early and drive around town looking for Keelan's four-wheel drive. We're picking her up to drive out to Mount Tabor station, but we don't know the address of the house she's staying at. Luckily, it's not a very big town.
1: How are you? Yeah, not too bad. I just kind of
0: Keelan out. jumps in and with a pit stop at the local bakery for breakfast and salad rolls for lunch, we head out of town. As we drive, Keelan tells us about the country, its relationship to the Bidjara people and her own memories of the land.
1: Um, we've pulled up here at the 27 mile which is alongside the Warrego River that runs through Bidjara country. Bulbara is what we call uh, the river in our Bidjara language. So we've just pulled up here for a little tea break and um, done a lot of fishing and and stuff here when I was a kid as well to get the the fish, you know, the guyu, which is what we call the fish, and um, done a lot of camping here around this area when I was growing up, yeah.
0: In Keelan's book, The Power of the Bones, she talks about the dreaming stories of the area and how the places that the rainbow serpent spent time in are places where there's always water to be found. I'm curious to know how the climate crisis has affected these dreaming stories, draining the
1: underground water reserves as it has. To us, the Mundagata, which is a rainbow serpent, created everything for us. The Mundagata laid dormant for a long time and laid eggs. And let out an almighty cry one time and sort of erupted. And um, that's where all the animals come from. That created all our totems. Mm -hmm. And everything was ugly and black. But then the Moondagatik travelled through our Bidjara country and created all uh, the mountains and the waterways and the rivers and the creeks. And we've got the the Warrego River that runs right through all our Bidjara country and um, you know to have less rainfall with no water you've got a lot of fish that are dying with not enough oxygen in the in the waterways so so yeah it's it really is disrupting all our dream times
0: we continue our drive for an hour until we reach the tiny town of augustella where Killen grew up
1: it's a rural country town it's not a big city so in other words, you fart at one end of the town and the other person knows about it at the other end.
0: We'll come back to Orgathella later. For now, we turn right. So this is it, we don't turn off Bye. Yeah. One road in, one road out. Yeah. From there, it's two hours of mostly dirt track, the occasional judder as we drive over a cattle grid, the occasional wet patch we have to skirt carefully around to avoid getting bogged but the track is surprisingly passable. Keelan suspects the mailman has been telling porky pies Eventually, we cross the grid that signifies we've entered Mount Tabor Station.
1: So we've just come on to Guradhandha, which is Mount Tabor Station in our Bidjara language. We're stopped here at a welcome to country sign, where we've got it in... Language and translated into English, and then we've got some of the meats and totems. So we've put in language the Mundagala, which is the rainbow serpent, the Naraku, which is the kangaroo, Barbara, which is the echidna, Gulbe, which is the emu, and also one of my totems. My other totem is the Bumbara, which is the brown snake, and then we've got the Dakanj, which is the Gwena. So under traditional cultural law, because uh, the Gulbay is one of my totems, I would not ever eat or try the emu meat.
0: Mount Tabor is so much greener than I expected. After the red dirt scrub of the previous properties, I'm immediately struck by this lush valley that reminds me more of a rolling green English field than of the central Queensland bush. I'm assured it's normally a hell of a lot more brown or black, actually, considering the recent spate of bushfires that have swept through here. here
2: you know,
1: if you had to come through here uh, three weeks ago, even two weeks ago, you would have seen it would have been near black.
0: We stopped briefly at the house to collect Keelan's clapping sticks before heading out to Lost City, one of the most significant cultural sites on the property. Her house is neat as a pin, photos of her family all over the walls, and a cranky cat who meows loudly, demanding to know where she's been. Outside, there's a massive chook house and a number of other buildings, sheds and handmade shelters, including a second house where her self-appointed best mate lives. Dave's nearly in his 90s, but still helps out on the property and for weeks on end is the only company Keelan often sees.
1: Okay, so we've arrived now at um, Mount Tabor, the homestead, So we're heading off now to go out to the lost city and so I'm going to do a smoking welcome to country and have a look around inside a very significant Vidura cultural site.
0: We stop along the way so Keelan can collect some native sandalwood branches.
1: So this is our sandalwood. You Get a little bit of that and sort of sprinkle it up and smell it. it.
0: Smells kind of spicy. Like a warm, spicy smell. I can't help thinking what it must have been like to come out here as a single mother all those years ago.
1: It was a little bit surreal, uh, being a single mother for a start, to be offered a job to manage this huge cattle property on your country. I was like, holy fucking shit, what have I got myself into? But then I was like... I can do this.
0: Do you ever get spooked when you're out there? Never. No. Even in the beginning? No. Keelan might not get spooked out here, but when she tells me about the time she chased off a car with a shotgun, when someone once pulled in at her gate at one o'clock in the morning unannounced, I certainly do. Mount Tabor isn't the sort of place people just drop into, especially not after dark. Unfortunately, we turned off the microphone by then and missed recording the story. But considering the amount of swearing, mostly from me, when she gets to the bit about chasing them down the dirt track with a gun aimed at them out the window, it's probably for the best.
1: It was really interesting because when I went out there, I knew jack shit. When we first went out, it was my son, Alan, and my daughter, Christy, and we had to get some firewood and... We had to use the axe because we didn't, I didn't know how to use a chainsaw, and then I thought, oh, this is fucking terrible. Um, this is hard, Jack, of this. And my son reckons, oh, this is so wrong. An elder had
0: approached Keelan with the offer of the job when she'd come back to town with her kids after a long stint in the
1: city. Well, sugar made it sound so easy. Um, What it was is love. I've got this job for you, yeah. What is it? How would you like to manage Mount Tabor on our um, Bidjara country for our people? I said, really? I said, I'll think about it. I'll get Chico to take you out and show you the place. And I said, yeah, rightio. So I get out there and get taken to Lost City and just fell in love with the place. Um, When I climbed up on top of the arch and... Looked out and seen the waddle everywhere. I just thought, this is fucking one me. Tabor captured my heart and that was it.
0: We've arrived out at Lost City, an astonishing and surprising formation of rusty red arches, strange twisted pinnacles, caverns and cliffs that suddenly rise up from the scrub as we bump towards it in the four-wheel drive. It's stunning and it's humbling. It's also absolutely stinking hot, and the flies descend on us like clouds of tiny vultures thirsty for our sweat.
1: Whoa. Buduru Vidaragambi Nalkamani Mardi and Gil. Murdi's Gambis, Gandanu's Yamba, Burudanda, Dikardi, Wajigandwitus, Burdi, Duka, Bandani, Burdi Gordi Wajana. Buduru is the spirits of our Vidjara ancestors, always paying recognition to my ancestors. Nulkamani is talking. Murdi and Geel is my Bidjara language. Gumbi is the black woman. Murdi is the black man. Gundanus is children. Yamba is home. Gurudandha is Mount Tabor in Bidjara language. Dikrati is the cockatoo for Lost City. Wajigan is the white woman. Burdi is the fire. Bandani is the sandalwood. dukkha is the smoke. And gurudugurri means the spirit. And wajuna means going. So I'm calling on my Bidjara ancestors to welcome you on to country on behalf of myself and Liv. And to keep you safe on your travels and journeys through Mount Tabor. So they've lit the fire, so I got it right. <laughs>
2: oh, thank you.
1: So Lost City is white man term, Dickerty is the cockatoo in our Bidjara language. Very special and very powerful, significant cultural place of my Bidjara people. If you really look at it, the sandstone formation, it does really look like a lost city there because you're coming through country that's timbered, sand. The last thing that you would expect is to to drive into a spot that's got huge sandstone formations with arches and caves and so it is like a bit of a lost city that has sort of popped up and, you know, some white guys just come along in their little old mind and decided to call it Lost City.
0: Everywhere you look there's ancient handprints, rock art and even intriguing things like etchings in the stone but Keelan tells me a labia
1: markings for special women's sites. So this here is a vulva marking. So where you see a lot of vulva markings, it means women's business, so women's birthing places. Um, we have a couple of places on the property, um, a really special place that you love to live, eh? um, Gumby Ridge, that's um, got about 1,500 or more stencils there. But this spot here, I was always told about a baby that was wrapped up in wallaby skin and plaited with the mother's hair. And I always believed that this was the spot because that marking's there. So I don't know. And I, and I always feel that this is the spot. But as you can see, there's no, no little ancestor there anymore.
0: It blows my mind that while all I have of my family is photos dating back to my great-grandmother, Keelan has marks where her ancestors used to sharpen their spears. The remains of some of Keelan's ancestors are also hidden in these rocks, wrapped in bark
1: as was traditional for the Bidjara people. I sort of went off walking one day and seen this little shelter, but it was something that was drawing me over. And I went across and sort of had tears, because I get a bit of emotional when I find new stuff and to find 25 little red handprints that were really tiny. Um, and then I sat there and pictured that the mums must have got them to sit there and wait while they went and gathered food and they occupied themselves doing the art. I sat there and, like I said, all I could just see was Gundanoos children and just picturing them all you know, and thinking about their mums. And young is mum means mother in our Bidjara language and how they were out collecting food and stuff and just told them to stay in the one little spot. And I thought, how can I um, look after this in some way so that it doesn't get touched? But I sat there for a little while and really took a look at it. It was there way before I was even thought of. And it was in perfect condition, so I just thought, leave it alone and leave it as natural as possible.
0: There's also sadly a few sections covered in more recent graffiti, where tourists have engraved their initials and the date into the sandstone.
1: The art of handprints, um, to the making of tools, to the burials, to um, the gathering of foods, to the camping to everything was all in groups it was always groups of people and all the artwork of um ochre that was used to put you know the handprints or spirit nets or whatever the the art was you know it is really sad that it it was a group of our people had done that thousands of years ago to an individual wrecking something sort of in a matter of a couple of minutes to give themselves some satisfaction of leaving their mark. When I very first come back out to Orgithella, 23 years ago, I went into the service station there and one of the workers said, Kayleen Mailman, he said, you were a little bitch of a kid when you were young. I said, yeah, and you were nothing but a nasty old prick. I said, and you've got your initials engraved in a very culturally significant place of ours that I could charge you. So he went quite red in the face and um, never said anything out of place to me ever again. Mount Tabor
0: was handed back to the Gurudunda traditional owners in 2016 from the Indigenous Land Corporation and Keelan manages the property on behalf of her people.
1: I'll always be really proud of that, you know, to own such a a beautiful, significant cultural property that's nearly 190,000 acres, that's full of cultural art sites and significant burial sites and artefacts to be able to bring many a generation of our kids back to and know that we own this. There's a lot of traditional country that, you know, we don't own, but to actually own this property is a safe place for us to bring you know, ancestral remains and that back too. You know, um, you mightn't be a black fella, but you're an Australian, so you should be proud of what's... I've been in Australia, living in this country that's your home too, um, with the oldest living cultural race in the world.
0: I do feel pretty proud right now, actually, standing in such a significant place. But I also feel shame about the graffiti. I've learned a lot about Keelan while doing my research for this episode. I've listened to a Richard Feidler interview. I've read her books. I feel like I already know so much about her. But one nagging question just won't go away. What I most want to know is what does she do when she gets a chocolate craving at nine o'clock at night and the cupboards are all bloody bare?
1: Well, I'm way ahead of you, Holly, because I have a great supply in the freezer and I don't have any intentions of running out at nine o'clock at night. (laughs) So you do big shops? Yeah, yep.
0: Have you got a big freezer? Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) You can't get Deliveroo out here or Uber Eats or even a late-night ice cream. So I can't imagine it's very easy to get a date out here either. Keelan's a straight woman and the only man um, anywhere near... Where she lives is her friend who um, lives in the the house next door and helps her out on the property. Um, So I'm just wondering how she goes about dating. Now, I deleted my Tinder app. Um, I promised my partner I'd done that when we got together. But I'm just going to go online and see uh, if I can find anyone around here. Now, I'm queer, so obviously my searching options are going to be even smaller. Keelan's would be a little bit broader than that. Um, I've just turned my phone on for the first time since we got here and it says it's searching, searching. And that's not Tinder searching for matches, that's um, searching for a network, no service. I'm not surprised, but that means Tinder is definitely out of the equation. To survive economically, Mount Tabor usually adjusts 1,600 head of cattle for a local cattle company but we only pass a couple of lost looking cows on our entire day on the property. Due to the recent drought, the rest have all gone on holiday to greener pastures. But thanks to the recent rains, the cattle company are bringing them all back tomorrow. So before we leave the station, we race around helping Keelan tidy up the workers cottage for the musterers who will be arriving the next morning. We race because thick, dark clouds are starting to build on the horizon and Keelan is worried we might get stuck out here if the track gets too wet. I'm secretly enjoying the drama, but I can see Erin is concerned we might miss our flight. On the way back to Orgathella, bumping over the ruts and dips in the rough dirt track, Keelan talks about her childhood. So when we were kids
1: and in school, each year we'd sort of like have a walkathon and we'd get dropped off out here in the, the buses for the school and then we'd walk back into town and at the end of it with the reward we'd get a can of drink, a packet of chips and an ice block 10k back into town for those couple of little bits of goodies I mean, had us amongst them <laughs> it didn't seem as far when we were kids probably because of the reward at the other end, I don't know but um you know, when there was a big mob of us together and us just all sort of going along together and carrying on and that the time sort of just went. In
0: town, we take a look at the old side of the Yumba where she spent the early days of her life.
1: A big part of it was happy memories for me because that was home. It might have been just a tin hut with dirt floors and hessian bag beds. Hessian bags to keep your food cooled because there was no power, there was no fridge. One run and tap that watered in 16, 17 families. You know, um, it was home. Very, very strong cultural connection to to family and to country. Um, Even food was all shared around. It was everyone come together, you know.
0: The Yumba was an Indigenous camp on the outskirts of Orgathella where families lived in huts until they were forcibly removed in the late
1: 60s. I have memories of the oldies sort of sitting under the bear shed, um, rattling the lingo and playing cards because blackfellas love cards. And when it was for money, it was even more exciting. <laughs> you know, sometimes it was like a couple of our oldies didn't even go to the toilet because they were sitting there too busy in the card game. Um, And if their luck was on a roll, don't move. Stay there.
0: Despite the family being desperately poor, Keelan smiles as she shows us around the patch of scrub that she used to call home. The Yumba was strong in community and also in culture, a place where people came together in a way they don't do anymore.
1: A lot of the learnings for the handing down of cultural knowledge happened on the Orgithala as well, where I got to go looking for gubba and that's honey with my grandmother, my mum's mum, and we'd go out and, you know, go for duck gabunj, which is gwena eggs, you know, um, we'd go out looking for them and that was a source of food, so um, picking berries and, and all of that sort of stuff, so It'll, it'll always be a place that's pretty embedded deep, deep in the, the hole of the blood that runs through me veins, the Augathella Yumba.
0: I try and imagine cheeky little scamp Kayleen racing around here, jumping in the now dry river and pinching coins off the Catholic church collection plate as she describes in her book. We see the water tap where Keelan's grandfather knocked her father's gold earring out when he got mouthy with her mum just before he moved on out of town to somewhere new before Keelan was born. We also see the bark shelter Mailman helped build for the celebrations when they brought home the repatriated remains of Bidjara ancestors that were returned home from the Queensland Museum, who had held them for over 100 years. The arrival of the remains at Mount Tabor was described in a prologue to Keelan Mailman's book. The plane dipped turned, flying low over them all, a lap of honor. See here, the pilot might be saying, and it might be to those gathered, or it might be to the spirits hovering in his cargo. Your people, your country, I am bringing them home. An hour later, a car turned off the Orgothella Road towards them. It moved slowly. The didgeridoo then, moaning, spreading in waves through the gathering and a high-pitched, gentle voice, Keelan Mailman singing her people home. And now for the bit of the trip I've been really looking forward to my producer Erin has booked us in for a night at the Augustella Palms Motel before our flight back home the next day. I've packed my pink polka dot bikini for the occasion, but I'm disappointed to discover that there's no swimming pool to grace. However, their website does boast an on-site laundry and a bar attached, where the testimonial promises you can chat to heaps of friendly Augustella locals. I throw on my polka dot dress instead and head off to test the testimonial. After everything Keelan said about this town, I suspect they're only friendly if you're white and straight. I am, however, pleasantly wrong. There's an old man at the bar who greets Keelan warmly as we enter. He turns out to be Sess, who used to run the local shop and who sometimes slipped her family food when times were hard. Can I swear on this?
1: Yeah. (laughs) There's been a lot (laughs) of swearing (laughs) on this. My name is Cecil Russell, I was born in the Augathella Hospital in 1939, I'm 81 years of age and I'm still here. (laughs) Well, I've known Carlene since she was wearing nappies, (laughs) all her life, yeah, and I knew her mother, Beto, a long time, and all the family. She's a nice person, she does a lot of good for what she believes in, and uh, she's not Frightened to stick up for what she believes in. Uh, She's done a lot for her family. And um, yeah, she's just, she's never done any harm to anyone that I know of.
0: Later, as I walk down the streets of Ogathala trying to get a feel for this quaint, remote little town, I can't help but notice the row of flags flying alongside the newly opened Meat Ant Park. There's an Australian flag as well as a Canadian. British, American, and Japanese, as well as a few I need to Google, like the Indian and Papua New Guinean. The only one glaringly missing, despite the strong community this town has been home to, is the Australian Aboriginal flag. Keelan talks frankly in her book about the racism she and her family encountered in this town while she was growing up. And I'm feeling pretty conspicuous myself with my hairy underarms and my urban queer haircut. So I can only imagine what it's like to walk through this town as an Indigenous woman.
1: I am very proud of where I've come because I was this little little black girl that grew up in a little town that was very racist. I've just wanted better for myself and then better for my children.
0: I head back to the pub where Keelan's sitting at the long wooden bench outside smoking a cigarette. It's pizza night tonight, but the four pizzas on the menu are all full of meat. We already stand out like sore thumbs, but my producer and I make the publican laugh by ordering the four meats pizza without the meats. While I'm waiting for my pizza, I try Tinder again. So the um I've set it to the maximum distance, which is 159 kilometers, and no one else has turned up. I'm gonna just just out of curiosity, I'm gonna change it to Everyone, so that's women and men, and we'll see what turns up then. It's searching. It's searching. Surely there's someone on Tinder in this area. If you can hear that background noise right now, that's the one eligible man in the area driving off in his tractor. Um, Yep, no-one has turned up, literally no-one, and that's searching for anyone within a 159-kilometre radius of me. Um, so yeah, and the age limit I have currently set to 31 to 100 plus. (laughs) Keelan and I are both incongruous in this town. But in this town Keelan also makes complete sense. She's a radical, outspoken black woman in a fairly conservative part of the world. And yet, it's the only place I can imagine her in. This is her country, her dreaming. Her people's footsteps have been treading this dry earth for thousands and thousands of years. And now, her footsteps mix with theirs as she mends the fences, herds the cattle and keeps their cultural sites safe.
1: I think that my path was chosen for me way before I was even born and that was to be someone that was gonna be strong, that was gonna um, have strength and courage and to stand up and fight for, for not only myself, for my people and for, for our rights.
0: I can't help but wonder though, if she's not ready for a different challenge. In her book, Keelan says she set herself a time limit of 20 years out at Mount Tabor, but that deadline came and went three years ago. The problem as I see it is that dangerous women need other dangerous women behind them to carry the legacy on. It's important work she's doing out here and there's no one as capable as Keelan to do it. But geez, it's exhausting doing it all on your own.
1: I have done it for the whole of my Bidjara people. I have done it for many of generations to come when I'm dead and gone, but I'm not getting any younger. I'm leaving a legacy behind that I don't know who's going to fill. Is it a deep fear embedded in me that I worked so hard to get this beautiful piece of our country back that someone's going to come along and it's going to be lost? I I don't know who's in line next because I haven't found that person in the 22 years that I've been here. I haven't found anyone that could um, take me place yet, so I don't know what's going to happen. I'm pretty worried about that.
0: It's time to say goodbye to Keelan now. I give her a hug outside the Augathella pub and then head back to my motel room to pass out from exhaustion. It's been a big day. As I'm leaving, I turn around for one last glimpse. It's deceiving how small she looks against this vast, bare landscape. Just tell me three words to describe yourself 22 years ago when you first arrived, and three words to describe yourself now. Three words
1: that describe me back then shy, probably a bit frightened to whether I could succeed to such a big job that was in front of me, but I had guts. Now, Very strong, very confident, and I'm a fucking dangerous woman.
0: She may only have size eight shoes, but they sure are big boots to fill. The State Library of Queensland would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the many lands this series was recorded and produced on. Including the nations of Yugara, Turubal, Yugambe, Jinabara, Bidjara, Yudinji, Irakanji, and the Godigal. This episode was recorded and produced by Erin McBean, sound designed by Patty Priest and mixed by Simon Berkelman.